I think the biggest thing is the really best kids uh, come in with a little bit of an edge on every day. I think it's consistency is the biggest deal. And they almost don't let themselves have what I call a bad day. They're just so tough. And I think being constant with your effort, I think that that's when you reap all the benefits. Welcome to Champions Mojo Weekly Podcast, where your hosts Kelly Palace and Maria Parker share with you what it takes to be a champion. Kelly is a former Division I head swim coach, Olympic trials qualifier, and holds Masters World and National Swimming Records, and Maria holds world records in endurance cycling and was the overall women's winner of the world's toughest bike race, Race Across America. They'll be sharing their personal stories and wisdom, along with interviewing other champions to give you the tools you need for becoming a true champion in your own life. And now, your host, Kelly Palace. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Champions Mojo Podcast, where today we have a real treat for you. We'll be talking with legendary swim coach Jack Bowerly, head men's and women's swim coach at the University of Georgia. As a swim coach, Jack has reached the pinnacle of success in being selected as the USA's Olympic head women's swimming coach in 2008 and assistant Olympic coach in the last two Olympics. His teams have also won seven NCAA titles as recently as 2016. He's coached a number of Olympians, All-Americans, and SEC champions. I could go on all day about Jack's accomplishments, but I want to get to his interview and hear from him. First, though, I want to say hello to my co-host, Maria Parker. Hello, Maria. Hello, Kelly. This is going to be a treat for all of us today, but a few more interesting facts on Jack before we bring him in. Jackson is 41st year of coaching at the University of Georgia, making him the longest tenured head coach in Georgia history. And just this week, Jack was nominated by USA Swimming for the prestigious 2019 Golden Goggles Awards for National Coach of the Year. Also, besides coaching the University of Georgia college teams, Jack has one of the larger groups of professional swimmers, more than a dozen, training with him in Athens in preparation for the 2020 Olympic trials. We're definitely going to be in the presence of greatness today as we talk with Jack, and I'm really looking forward to it. Absolutely, Maria. Me too. I had the good fortune of coaching with Jack when I was a first-year head coach in the SEC, and Jack was always warm and welcoming to me. More on that later, but let's get to it and welcome Jack to the show. Jack, great to have you here. <laughs> Thanks. I know what legendary means. That means old. Yeah. <laughs> well, welcome, Jack. Well, I just want to tell our listeners, first off, Jack Jack still surfs, so he can't be old. Yeah, no, no way. Jack is not old. He looks fantastic. So, Jack, the first question, uh, I alluded in my intro that I was a new head coach in the SEC, and not every fellow head coach was as nice to me as you were. You really were kind, and um, this is a strong reputation that you have among all of your swimmers and fellow coaches that you are just a really nice guy, a person that easily connects to people and uh, puts them at ease and you, you build strong relationships quickly. That is like the, the thing that people talk about Jack Bowerly and, yeah. and I felt it as a new coach, just like, it's like an instant best friend. So, Thanks. What do you think that ability 
comes from, or is that a skill, or what are your what are your thoughts on this? I think uh, I think a lot of that is luck, and I also think a lot of it was uh, certainly in the gene pool from my mom and dad, <clears throat> and uh, both were extremely affable. I, everyone knew my mom by grace everywhere, and I think uh, and my dad was the same way. I mean, I I look back at his funeral; it, it sounds sort of macabre talking about it, but. You know, everyone came, the friends, the relatives, and then all these people that had some sort of brush by meetings with him. You know, met him at a uh, matter of fact, where he leased his car, the whole company came. They just enjoyed my father so much. So I think I just got a little bit of a love and an interest in people because of them, because they were terrifically interested in everybody, no matter who they were and what they did. And then also, I just, uh, I think the fun of it is just being around people all the time is sort of, uh, you know, being in this town for as long as I have been, uh, it's one of my friends, uh, Chris Davis, one of my great friends in my life over at Swim Atlanta, one of the most successful swim club coaches in the country, if not the, he won't come over here to see me because we won't have time to talk because it's sort of a revolving door if we go out to eat. And that sort of floats my boat at this point in time. And But the neat thing about a university setting is you have a lot of people that they know what you do, they respect what you do, but they really don't care that much. You know, they, they care about other things too. And to be, you know, I have friends that are law school professors, uh, business school professors, uh, people in art, painters, uh, and music town. It's a great music town. We've had a, a, you know, just unbelievable history of music in Athens. So uh, you get a chance to be around a lot of people, and that's sort of it's nice to take. It takes you away from what you do on an everyday basis, and that's a good thing too, because we can get a little self-absorbed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's really. You know, I read or heard in, in an interview that you that you write a handwritten note every day. Yep. And I, I, I think that's. <laughs> Fabulous, but uh, who are they to, and, and and you know why do you do it? Uh, it's personal. I think it it just it feels good on both sides, and more importantly, that when you receive a, a letter, you know, and I, and I sort of got a lesson from my father. I watched, I I read through uh, letters from my father to my mom during World War II. He was stationed in New Guinea in the Philippines, very active. He was a lieutenant commander in the Navy, and I remember reading. A letter from my dad to my mom and he apologized for the short note and it was actually a, a page and a half <laughs> and uh, so it was pretty cool but uh, and then I, I was it ended up as an English major I had the two most important people in my life I think were not coaches but two of my my first English teacher Tom Tuggle my next English teacher who was a comparative literature teacher and because of them I sort of fell in love a little bit more with literature and, and then my mom was a letter writer, and, and one of our, two of our greatest coaches, the two greatest coaches in our history here, Coach Dooley, Coach Vince Dooley, uh, Coach McGill, who my second son is named after, uh, considered the father of collegiate tennis, they were letter writers also. So I think I viewed them, yeah, they, they just were like a little bit of example, but anyhow, it doesn't take but five minutes to put something down and thank somebody for what they did or what they meant to you. So this is a perfect place to ask you, what other routines do you do that you think have helped with your success? Because we, we interview all you know champions and champion yeah. coaches, and we find that routines are a big part of success. So that's, a, that's an amazing routine. Uh, I sort of get my energy from people. 
so I have to make sure uh, I get a lot of energy from my wife, thank goodness, and uh, she's very talented in her own sphere. Uh, she designs handbags and uh, cool. and accessories. I saw some pictures of them. They're beautiful. Aren't they neat? Yeah, she has these new, these new ones. She got so upset, you know, with you know you know the new rules for the stadiums because they have to have clear bags now. Yes, that's exactly. right. And, that's right. And she viewed that as really impersonal because you know people shouldn't be looking in anybody's bag first of all. So she made these uh, the leather ones. So they attach and you know attach again. And you just so all of a sudden you have a stylish bag and you just lift it up show and then you have a bag that looks like a bag instead of carrying in a plastic bag from you know from kroger or something you know but anyhow i shouldn't say that name but that's, that's you know what i mean that's cool yes they almost look like sandwich bags with people towed in but uh <laughs> at any rate uh i can't remember what the heck we were talking Ruth, about you were saying that you got energy from your oh yeah your from the people wife. all the time and, it, and it's easy in this town but as far as uh things to do that i do every day little habitual things would be exercise actually i wouldn't say exercise playing is more important to me i I'm not real good on exercise. I like chasing a ball, and I and I like the social aspect of it. And I do, from what I hear, <laughs> I do like the competitive part of it too. So, <laughs> so, and uh, so I play a lot of tennis, and uh, we have a great group. Um, one of whom actually played tennis where Kelly swam, NC State. Uh, Jim Donnan, who was a former tennis coach or former football coach here actually won the singles, number three singles in the ACC when he was quarterback in NC State. Wow. So we have a group, and I think about six or seven of whom were Division One tennis players. So it's, it's good, and it gets competitive. We have a lot of fun, but everyone wants to win, and that even makes it more fun. So you, you exercise or play, and you write a note. Any other rituals or <laughs> well, routines? Well, I just like to be around my house a lot. And uh, so now with a pool, we have a place. I, I get in the water every day. I heat the pool in the wintertime, but I just like being in the water. I don't like doing laps until I get ready for a surf trip, and then I'll start doing something a little bit different just because, uh, you know, we like to be able to function after we fall, and we do fall. <laughs> I fall more now than I used to. So That is really, really great. All the champions that you've coached over all these years, what commonalities do you see that maybe two or three that the champions share? Kelly, it's, it's sort of easy, and I think one thing, I talk about this at swim clinics also, I think the biggest thing is the really best kids uh, come in with a little bit of an edge on every day. I think it's consistency is the biggest deal, and they almost don't let themselves have what I call a bad day. They're just so tough, and I think being constant with your effort, I think that that's when you reap all the benefits. Some of them... You know, Haley Flickinger and uh, Carolyn Joyce, Gunnar Benz, I, I'm just naming a few. Right. Mary Desenza, world record holder. We've had 31 medals to our credit right now, uh, and I, hopefully we have more even after next year. But I would think the big, and Melanie Margalis is one, they, they, just sort of, they just sort of get something out of every practice. And because if you're really training hard, some days are not going to be that great anyhow, because there's just, if you're training the way you should, you're going to have days that are pretty tough and they don't feel that well. But uh, I think they sort of find a way to get through those hard days. And then obviously the, the will to win is big. Sometimes the will to win is 
maybe comes sometimes even superseded by the desire and you know, the fear of failure too. And uh, so, you know, that's really good. That's really interesting. Yeah, I think sometimes uh, certain kids—they're all wired a little bit differently, and because of that, you have to coach them a little differently, even on a day-to-day -day basis. Uh, really quick, for instance, we had a practice this morning. It was sort of the same vanilla practice. I don't ever view it. I thought it was a masterpiece, but they probably thought it was vanilla. But anyhow, they—it was the same <laughs> for everyone. But within after we got started, we probably did three or four different things for different people out of the 12 that were there. So you have to you have to make sure you know your audience and I really uh, my frustration is when I watch pro sports and college sports in certain certain programs and I watch I love baseball. I had probably 60 books on baseball. I love absolutely love it. I grew up in Philadelphia where we have a love for every pro sport. So I'm, I do radio down here about once a week. I get on and talk about the Phillies, the, uh, the Sixers, and the Eagles, and the Flyers. But <laughs> when I watch, uh, the biggest thing I watch in coaching is I think the coaches that are the most successful have to have some intuitive sense. And particularly when the pressure's on and something has, a decision has to be made that's really important. Numbers don't mean anything at that point in time. Knowing what kind of athletes you have is everything. I'm frustrated a little bit with baseball because they're they're into the numbers now. How many pitches, when to take out, who they you know pitch to, and sometimes they take out the human element. Sometimes when you have a great pitcher, they're good against a left-hander and a right-hander. Sometimes they get in a groove. You don't have to take them out after 100 pitches when they could probably do 110. They forget the greatest pitcher in baseball, Nolan Ryan, pitched 236 pitches in a game and won the game. So you'll never see them get to that point anymore. And if, I think if you don't stretch the environment out there a little bit and sort of see what people can do, you'll never will find it. So the game's changed, and I realize that. But uh, I think intuitively is what really makes coaches really good. And uh, I think the ones that do that win championships and the ones that do that have people win Olympic medals. So I, I love the idea that we've, we may be naming this podcast Nice Guys Finish First. And you are so affable and so nice. And yet, <laughs> I've also heard that you can just crush your swimmers in a practice and be <laughs> incredibly tough. So that dichotomy of... You know, this, this being so, so for, for parents, for coaches, for people out there that are trying to change behaviors of athletes, swimmers, yep. kids, how do you, how do you work that dichotomy where you, you are these, your swimmers absolutely love you and yet you can turn around and give them 10, 400 IMs <laughs> on five minutes or some crazy set and they, you know, and you're, you know, you're still tough. Yeah. I think sometimes it's, the delivery. <laughs> <laughs> so you try to disguise it as much as you can. <laughs> I love it. It was sort of funny. It's funny you should say this, Kel, because... Um, We'd love a story. Oh, about a month ago, uh, about three weeks ago, they were asking what we were going to do on that Saturday, the next day. It was on Friday afternoon. And a couple of them, a couple of the girls came up, and even a couple of the guys, too. And they were sort of curious, and I said, and they go... Um, is it going to be jump bounce? Because on that very date, they remembered last year, I didn't realize some of them were crying. <laughs> this is great for recruiting, isn't it? Yeah. And, um, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. So, and they, these are my toughest kids. 
Yeah. And you know, one of whom is 397 in pre-med right now, and just one of the neatest young ladies I have ever had. Uh, now she's changed her deal. She's going to go to law school because she had lunch with one of my best friends here <laughs> who's a law school professor. But she, uh, she told me she was crying last year at the same date. So she was getting herself mentally prepared to see what was going to happen because evidently they thought the practice was finished and we did a certain kind of, we, Kelly would, uh, swimming, the hardest thing to do is swim and jump out and dive in again. Oh, yeah. And we did about, they said about 60 or 70 of those, but we, it really, that was a little embellished. I think we probably went about 40. <laughs> but the thing that hurt them was they thought they were finished and then we did more. And, uh, That's so true. Yeah. You think the finish line's around the corner, and then you find out, uh-uh, yeah. no. And my, my theory on that is you have to get a curveball, because you're going to get a curveball when the competition gets really hard, uh, whether it's a prelim swim or even in a, in a final swim. You might have another couple swims to do with the rest of the meet. So you got to be able to handle something that you're not completely prepared for, and that's really the only way you can do it. If you don't practice it, you can't do it. It's like anything else. So that's mental training, it sounds like. Absolutely. It's not, yeah, I, I like to think they weren't, weren't under duress, but it was, <laughs> but, but, I, yeah, but I think it was, it's good for them. But I tell you what, it's amazing to me that it stuck in their mind. They knew exactly what weekend that practice was on, uh, and that was, that was when we first started. That was, uh, heck, that was like the first week of September. So you know, what'd you tell them? I told them it was going to be similar. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so, so it's in the yeah. delivery. Yeah. You, you so, think it's in the delivery and them knowing Oh, I think trusting. it's in the delivery. And I think they, they honestly know there's, you have to have at least a little rhyme and reason to the, what you're doing. Yes. Yeah. And I think, you know, just I explained it to, to them, like, I said, you know, if you can handle this, you can handle a lot of stuff. And, you know, it's a lot of, because, you know, swimming is an amazing sport. You know, it's uh, Olympic trials, an eight-day meet. And you got to really keep your wits about you sometimes. And uh, not every race goes according to plan. So I think if you, uh, you just have to practice being a little bit tough sometimes and going to the well. And, and then, there's a, then there's a point where you have to watch your athletes, too. I make up a practice. I never make up a practice two days before. I make it up the night before because I have to watch the kids in the water and uh, or the adults now. And, uh, yes, yes. So, but, uh, you know, I have athletes here that are 27, 28 years old. So, um, and actually I have to watch them a little bit more carefully because they need more rest away from the pool. Probably is why I like starting them late uh, and they, they need a little bit more. They have no idea how much more they'll need when they, until they get my age. When they tell it, yeah, I have no empathy when they say they're sore at this time in my life. So I say you guys Absolutely. know nothing about it until you get to at least 50. <clears throat> and then 67, all bets are off. I don't even want to hear you talk about it. Because so. <laughs> you're sore all the time. Oh, if you're working. Yeah, yeah. 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 Even, if you, even if you've done nothing. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, but the... But the the, cha the challenge is, Maria, is also, you know, you're just really trying to get something out of them every day. Yeah, yeah and, and it's, uh, you know, I've heard, I've heard your students talk about you, and they, and they say that they, that you know how to talk to them, and that you're, that they're willing to do for you. Um, and so that's, that's relationship too. But I'm curious how, it seems like over the course of your, your coaching career, uh, the sort of science behind it, uh, swimming has changed. And, uh, and I'm curious at how, how you've 
adapted and adopted new techniques uh, based the, on that. Changed a lot be, uh, because, uh, and I think John Urbanchek, who was the, one of the greatest coaches we've had ever in our sport, had a lot to do with that. Dick Schulberg up at Germantown Academy. Uh, Dick was a mentor to me back in the 70s. Taught me the meaning of pretty good work, to say the least. Uh, and then John put maybe some rhyme and reason to my effort as far as how to cycle a week or a season. And uh, I, Eddie Reese at Texas, who's won 12 or 13, maybe I hate to even say how many now, uh, NCAA championships. But we've been really fortunate. I've been on trips with them. I've roomed with them. And uh, so when I need ideas, I call my compatriots. And uh, it's a neat thing. Frank Bush, also at Arizona. Chris Davis, uh, Swim Atlanta is a club team. But uh, you get ideas, when you get a little bit, you'll find you need to get ideas from other people. And if you think you know everything, you know nothing. You really do. It's nice to get an idea, you know, a brand new idea from other people. Because uh, our sport is not a, an easy sport. It's really difficult. And it's, it's, and Kelly knows because she swam, and you swam distance free too. Yep. Because uh, you came up under John Flanagan who knew how to work people. Um, 20,000 a day sometimes. Yeah. And uh, so you have to, you just have to learn how to cycle them. You have to watch them carefully. Uh, but those guys had a lot of rhyme or reason to my, to what we do. But the biggest thing is I think as you get a little bit older, you learn from the people around you that you respect and produce people, good swimmers, good people too, all the time. And uh, I can honestly say everyone I just mentioned I would be, and, and Bob Bowman too, Bob and I, it, it was sort of funny, um, when Bob and I went to 2016, our very first practice, we decided to, you know, mesh our groups together. That way we had about a little bit more comp competition on a day-to-day -day basis at the training camp for Olympics, and he, we showed up, and our practice was exactly the same, the first one. I wrote one, he wrote one, we decided which one to use, and it really wasn't, didn't matter because it was only 200 pull difference of the whole, wow. and the sets were almost completely the same. So, you know, you get, to, you get to thinking a little bit, so then you realize everybody has a little bit of a influence on each other, but uh, the bottom line is you're doing one thing, you're just trying to find any edge that helps your swimmers swim fast, that's it. That's fantastic. One of the things that when you have a, a long career like yours, you, you have seasons that are fantastic. You win yep. the NCAA title, and then you have seasons where they're really disappointing, and it's yep. gone up and down for you. You know, from 2013 to 16, you won three NCAA titles for your women. Yep. And then last year, you know, you finished 18th. And, yep. But it's been like that throughout your career. How just in general, not X's and O's of swimming, but just somebody listening that could be a non-swimmer, you know, just how do you equate that to life? And how do, how did to you here at Georgia, what do you, what do, you do for that? Uh, it's, it's hard. Um, we had a run uh, and we feel like we're sort of making our way back again. Sure. But it couldn't, nothing goes on forever. A lot of coaches just stop when it starts getting like that. But, uh, <laughs> We went, this is, a, I think, our most remarkable accomplishment was not the NCAA championships, but the fact that on our women's team, we were first or second 15 out of 18 years. 
So if you, you put it, the best way to put it is in basketball terms, we were in the final game. Wow. 15 out of 18 yeah. years, if you put it like that. And then another year we're in the final four and the other two years we're just in the elite eight. So that's remarkable. Yeah. Jack. And then really we, remarkable. We, we lost uh, our second that's meet. Amazing. Our first really, meet. It really is. No, I'm sorry. Our second meet here in 1995 in the new pool. Kelly, you remember the old yes, one? Yes, I do. Uh, <laughs> so we went from outhouse to penthouse. Yeah. And uh, but our second and then we did not lose again for 21 years at home. Wow. So and and I think uh, we won 103 straight meets. I think 30 at least 30 or 40 of those were probably 40 were top 20 probably at least 25 or 30 top 10 teams we knocked off three number ones so i think the the thing that we're really proud of is is that we're good all the time and but when you have a disappointment which you're going to have it's not always perfect like that right uh you know like the year when we were first with the ladies fifth with the guys we had two perfect meets in 2016 over in Atlanta. That, that meet was hosted by Georgia Tech, which uh, Maria just, Georgia and Georgia Tech are, we, are considered enemies. Yeah, yeah, I went to UVA, I get it, Virginia Tech and UVA, yeah. There's even a book out here, Clean Old Fashioned Hate, between that. But, <laughs> so, but uh, it all, as you probably know, the same thing up in, it all stems from football. And then it just, oh. you know, sort of, you know, twi- <laughs> trickles, just down. trickles down real big to every every sport imaginable. But it was not lost in us that we won the NCAA championship at Georgia Tech's pool. That was, <laughs> uh, that was almost as good as winning our first one here. But uh, <laughs> anyhow, I, I think with the disappointment, it just sort of fuels the fire again. So you just want to make sure you're doing everything. And I think it's also an indication that whatever you did that year might not be as good as you thought. So you got to make a change. And uh, but I, I think the biggest thing, if I see one common denominator in the greatest teams I've ever had, I've had great leaders. Uh, Courtney Shealy and Chrissy Kowal were the captains of our 2000 team that won. Courtney's now the head coach. I'm not sure, Kelly, she might be the only woman. She is the only the country, woman who coaches coach men women. as a head coach. Yeah. And then Christy was at a, I mean, they were roommates and they both went to the Olympics, both medaled, NCAA swimmers of the year. But that year I had two team meetings the whole year. Wow. So, you And know, Jack, if, are you deliberately not saying where Courtney is the head coach? I'm sorry? Are you oh, deliberately? Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's a, a matter of fact, uh, one of her former assistants is with me now. And then I have another All-American, Michael Norman, who's over there now. And at had, Georgia Tech. At Georgia Tech. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. It's funny, yeah. That when is, Jack won yeah. that, when you guys won that, that title, that is so yeah. great. They're never that is so great. Here, of course, yeah. but they, uh, yeah, they're great people, all of them, and uh, I'm just glad they're in the sport. And you know, one one thing's a neat indicator if you look at it. You always want. Uh, what we're real proud of is how many of our former athletes are coaching. Uh, club and college and uh, and then also you know you have a job you have another job as a head coach making sure assistant coaches become head coaches if they want to be Uh, now we've had situations here where they never wanted to leave Uh, my (laughs) diving coach for 30 years and you know it's sort of funny because he went with the United States diving he's the technical director now Dan and uh, and I think whoever who the head person was was only there two weeks so 
he was only there two weeks and he got a new new boss as he said he was here 30 years and he never had a different one but uh, Harvey Humphreys was with me 37 yes. years Kelly knows him well uh, my coaches now have been with me for a while Carol Capitani who's now the head coach of Texas and uh, if she thinks I've forgotten this I haven't we vacation together down in the Bahamas during the spring but they ended our streak. Oh. <laughs> so, anyhow, I feel like I owe her a few things. But uh, <laughs> that's funny. But, she, but Carol was with me 16 years. Now she's head coach. Whitney Height, who's been a great uh, coach, head coach up at Wisconsin. Uh, Brian Schrader was at Denver. Uh, just people all over. And that's that's part of what we do too. You're supposed to try to teach and uh, you know try to move people on if they want to be, and if they want to stay, they stay. But um, longevity is a neat thing for people too so it's nice we've had that even with some assistant coaches also so this is a perfect time Jack to ask you and Maria you and I we've talked with other guests about uh, the differences in in coaching men and women and and obviously Jack has Maria I, I think we've talked about that this offline but Jack has helped many women coaches get into NCAA coaching or been very pivotal in them and, and seems to be like the production factory of, of top women coaches in the NCAA and your women have won seven titles. So you seem to have figured out the difference. And I ask uh, Ray Luz and Braden Holloway and Arthur Albiero, uh, you know, a lot of your fellow yep. coaches, what differences do you do you handle how you handle your men and women? Uh, as far as the athletes yeah, are concerned? Yeah, just, yeah, just, yeah. Well, this is sort of funny. Uh, you have to excuse me, I'm a little difficult. I had some pretty tough dental surgery dental, yesterday. Dental, you sound great. So. Yes, I'm so sorry. Yeah, that's okay. But uh, So if I'm missing a few words here and not enunciating the way I should, but uh, I think more than anything, I was really fortunate to have I know this sounds really silly, but I'm going to say it anyhow, and I'm sure it'll be used against me. I was an absolute mama's boy, even though I was a guy's guy. Oh. And uh, and there's a great quote. I think it's about, I think it's Freud, actually. Uh, whoever, this, the son or the male in the family that was the, basically, without question, the favorite of the mom, sometimes... Uh, that was instilled confidence that ended up in success. And oh. my mom, my, my brothers called me, I guess I can say this, the third and begotten son in the family. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and I was her, I, wherever my mom went, I went because she was fun. Uh, she went shopping, I went with her. Christmas Eve day, she went over. She went to all the places that took care of her during the course of the year, all the people that owned stores, shops, food stores, you name it. And I always followed my mom. I always got something, you know, as a gift every time I went with her. But, uh, but I think being around my mom, I remember Bridge Club being around all the, the ladies when I came back from school. I remember still all the perfume. You could smell perfume and candy. And, uh, but I think being with my mom gave me a 10% <laughs> understanding of the other side. There you go. Very yeah. carefully. <laughs> that, and I think without my mom, I would have had zero. Uh, but I think more than anything, I appreciated being with her friends. And, you know, I like to think now, I mean, some of, uh, one of my best friends in life is a girl I made. Uh, we met when we were 10. 
and she's certainly one of my best friends in life. And I have, a, you know, two of my favorite people, uh, most of them. Uh, you know, we just had, uh, I've had, been really fortunate to be around good ladies in my whole life, you know, as a high school kid, as a college kid. And uh, I think that sort of just gives you a comfort zone where, you know, you don't feel like you have to be anything different than you are. I think it's, uh, I think it's real important. Uh, and I think this is, I think this is universal. I don't think it matters whether male or female. They, they have to realize that your athletes have to realize that, uh, that they are important to you on every level swimming and that you really care about what they end up doing what what they, and who they are. And I think that's important. And I think I'm going to say something too. This is a, I think the women are much more aware of this. They have a little bit more sensitivity and certainly a little bit, <laughs> I can say a little smarter at an earlier age. <laughs> and, uh, you know, guys are guys, you know, they think they're smart sometimes, but they're not really getting there yet. But uh, the, the ladies have a, a different sensibility. And I think um, because of that, uh, when things are done f for the, when you coach in a way that you, they feel something is done for them, I think they have an appreciation level that's uh, really pretty amazing. So, wow. I, it sounds like you just really respected your mom and, uh, and that you respect women. That I mean, that right there, I, that's what I hear in that summary. Well, it's just that you have a... You and have that a, was your experience too, right? Personally, yeah, Kelly, when yeah, you were a coach. That's, that's, yeah, I remember when Kel came in, I, it was... I, uh, our conference, it's the SEC, and it's sort of like when we talked about things that trickle down, the competitive aspect in, the, in swimming was off the map also, not just in football, basketball. And then when Kelly walked in, were you our first woman coach yeah. well, in the SEC? I, I, was the, I was the only woman and head coach in the SEC, but what was even more crushing to me is when I accepted that job, I was in the Metro Conference. Oh my Thinking, gosh! Coming that's in right. as the Metro champions, and, and all then, of a sudden you got thrown into this. Then we this. got thrown into the SEC with Georgia, and, then, oh. <laughs> and it was like, <laughs> oh my gosh! Yeah, I yeah I had empathy evidently, but I. Yeah. We're getting a little close on time, and yep. I, uh, Maria, I'm gonna let you ask the very last question that we always ask. Okay, so last question uh, is, what have we not covered that you would? think would be important to share with our listeners? Hmm. Good question. Uh, I think importance of family life, you know, for coaches. Um, it's amazing how much uh, we put ahead of family sometimes without even knowing it. Uh, we get so attached and so caught up in our with our athletes. I think if I was talking to a young coach, you just have to be careful, make sure there is balance. Uh, when my assistant coaches come to me, whether it was Carol back in the 2000s, any of them, if they have a family situation, they don't ever have to ask. I tell them if they need time, boom, it's done. We have enough coaches on deck that we can always cover. But uh, family comes first. And if you have that sort of sensibility, that's, sort of, that's the kind of coach you want on deck anyhow. I love the family component of, yeah. you know, putting that first and I, I I think you know this and we've been friends for a long time that um, the reason I got out of coaching is you know my yep. fifth year I, we were doing great top 20 and had yep. an awesome recruiting class coming in but uh, we had a suicide in our family my oldest brother's wife left him with a five six and eight year old 
And I went into my athletic director and he said, go home. And I went home all summer, took the whole summer off thinking that I would come back in the fall to coach. But he was the same way, put family first and didn't even, you know, paid me, just go home and... And then when the time came to come back, I couldn't do it. I couldn't leave the kids. So uh, that's how I got out of coaching. And that's that why. That would hard. Yeah. Well, so. I, have, uh, I have three boys and uh, the t- two of the older ones are off and running. They're doing great. And uh, But, you know, that's a joy. That's that's number one. But uh, <laughs> swimming's uh, number one A. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and we've got to get we've got to get you off the yeah, phone because you've got an eight year old that you've got oh, to yeah. get to. I but got we... a little guy. Got to, and he's uh, he's a joy too. But uh, you know, just uh, anyhow, I can't thank you enough for this. It's sort of fun. Jack's talking. great. Before we talk go, to do you. we have time for our speed round? We have a speed round of questions. Oh, cool. Okay, that's great. I'm it's, ready. It's it's really fast. It's <laughs> I've a, seen it's, this on TV. Yeah. It's, it's the, so, <laughs> the tough questions are done. The, the, the tough questions are done, but there are some trick questions. So oh, pay right. attention. Okay. Let's see. Take your mark. Cat or dog? God, I, I love them both. Right now, dog. Dog. Camping or hotel? <laughs> this sounds so weird. Both again, because I love being outside. I mean, you have to pick one. Jack, I have a, I have a farm. And I just go out there and walk around and not hunt all the time. But I'll tell you what. Uh, with my wife. Hotel. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well said. Milk chocolate or dark chocolate? Uh, milk chocolate. Kickboard or anything? <laughs> with almonds and nuts and hazelnuts. <laughs> yeah. and, and then if you said oh. and if you said ice cream, I would say any kind, anytime. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. Jack is on to that chocolate question. Yeah. yeah. He's gonna. I have some right behind you, actually. Oh. Okay. We'll hit yeah. that after yeah. this. Kickboard or no kickboard? Kickboard. Mountains or beach? Beach, without question. Football or baseball? Oh, I love them both. But I love talking about baseball. iPhone or Android? iPhone. That's because I have it. I don't even know how it happened. Coffee or tea? <laughs> tea. Never had a cup of coffee in my life. Morning person or night owl? Morning. Texting or talking? Talking. Okay. I did that one. Yeah. But I like to text. You do text. <laughs> but I can't, but I can't stand well. emailing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, I get the next one. So I just want to say that, I, you know, one of the things I'm, I'm really admiring about you, Jack, is you just seem to be having fun with life. And I, I, I just love that that attitude. Everything is, seems oh, this like... Is, this is fun. Thanks. <laughs> okay, okay here, here's a question. Uh, okay. Last good, cool. last good book you've read or listened to? Last good book. Um... I reread the right stuff. The right, oh yeah, yeah. good one. And uh, Thomas Wolfe, and then, uh, and I, my attention span. I've always been accused of being ADD, so I read a lot of short stories, <laughs> and uh, and uh, Garden and Gun, which is a magnificent magazine down here in the South. Um, their their final page is an author. He has something by name of Roy Blunt. He's a humorist, and I, I just read anything by Roy Blunt that I can put my hands on. Oh, so, nice. Yeah, he's terrific. What's the last uh, good movie you watched? Mm. I have a lot of favorites, and uh, I, I rewatched uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Um, there's one day, uh, an Australian movie I, I really love. I keep on my iPad, so... Um, Breaker Morant. It's about a. It's about. It was actually. It was about the Boer War in, in the Transvaal in South Africa. It was sort of a, a tragedy that happened. It was sort of a. 
someone got basically it was based on somebody who was a scapegoat and uh, but it was a really well done movie and uh, and I love quirky movies too I like uh, local heroes one of my favorites is based in Scotland uh, and then uh, one of my favorites is also the diner a bunch of guys and oh, I, had, I know that movie. Oh, yeah. my, my gosh, it's great. I think it was by Barry Levinson. He was a uh, director for it. most. He did the uh, Tin Men, too. It was up in Baltimore. But that had Mickey Rourke in it, uh, yeah. Mark Reeser, I think. Uh, Kevin Bacon, I think, was in that, stars. too. Yeah, Stern, whatever his uh, first name was or last name. Uh, I can't remember. But anyhow, it was a group. Uh, just, there are a couple. That's probably too long. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so uh, favorite non Shawshank Redemption too, <laughs> oh, because yeah. it's friendship. <laughs> that's a great one. I love one. it because yeah, and oh, I love I love that you know about he says uh, what's he say? Uh, hope is a good thing, and and good things never die. Hmm. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's that's an exceptional movie. I could watch the last twenty minutes of it thirty times. Okay, uh, favorite non ice cream food. Uh, non ice cream? Yes. Jeez. Uh, uh, I love good pate. Mm. Uh, that's an and I do that's love, a good answer. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, uh, I love fish uh, broiled or, or raw. Mm. I, I just don't like it cooked too much. Mm. And I just love, uh, I love fresh fish. And I love fish for breakfast too, some type of fish. Okay. If I can, I did. I used to do that when I was down the shore with my mom. I'd go catch something. I'd come back and I'd have our broil, some fish with bacon, and have fish for breakfast. Mm, that sounds great. <laughs> Favorite swim yeah. complex in the U.S. My own, mm-hmm. right here. Mm-hmm. Our own, I should say. But I feel like it's mine sometimes. But uh, and I think Texas is a great one. But also Indianapolis is wonderful for a meet. Uh, and we've won championships there, so I really like it. But uh, and that has a lot to do with liking a place, how you do in a place. And uh, yeah, this I, is a beautiful facility. I'm sitting right here. Jack's office looks out on this gorgeous facility, and you guys are hosting, uh, we're hosting women's, women's NCAA. It's so and, uh, I'll be back. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it'll be neat. Uh, but I think uh, Indianapolis is a wonderful place to host because it's so easy to get around in that town. Also. Okay. Yeah. How do you how do you relax? Uh, if you ask my wife, Leanne, she would say by moving. And, uh, so I have to, I have to sort of move around a lot and, uh, I relax by tennis, uh, hunting, uh, surfing big time. I just came back from Costa Rica with a group that we go, um, and we'll be going again, probably right after Olympic trials or actually Olympic games. And then, um, and then just, and being with, being with my wife, Leanne. That's that's probably the best thing. That's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> nice. Uh, if there's a spider in your house, do you kill it or set it free? I set it free. I, I, I will I will shoot an animal for meat, but I will not kill an insect. That's nice. <laughs> okay. Uh, when was the last time you swam? That's a good question. That's funny. I just did that <laughs> the other day. Yeah. The last time I swam was yesterday. Can you cook? So- uh, barely. Uh, when I have to, but I'd rather have someone do it better for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm with you, <laughs> except there's nobody to do it. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's all. That's all our questions. That for... is. That, those were the those were the easy questions. So, Jack, we're going to let you go. We kept you three minutes over. Oh, but, um, thank you great. so much. Thank you so hey, much, Jack. What a nice. pleasure to talk to you.
Uh, you too, Maria. Thanks. And Kelly, thanks. And thanks yeah. for being persistent. She was really good about pinning oh, him down. God, yeah, yeah. Kelly is persistent. Tracking him down for months. Yeah. So we got it done. All right. Good luck this season. Uh, thanks Thank a lot, you. Kelly. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. See ya. Okay, Maria. How fun was that? That was an incredible interview. He is a terrifically interesting guy. And I, I know he didn't want to be called a legend, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I, he is a legend. I, I, he absolutely is. Uh, he'll probably continue being a legend for for a long time. He's got yeah, some yeah, amazing absolutely. skills. And talking about how fun that was, and um, and in fact, I I have to tell you, Jack sent me a text last night, and he said that was fun! Exclamation point. <laughs> so, Great. Yeah, I want to start out with my takeaway, which is play that I feel like Jack said that it was important that he plays. And yeah. when we, when you and I love, we love to talk about exercise, but, um, and so we asked Jack, he said, yeah, you know, he, he started to say, I exercise. And then he said, you know what? I play. And right. I, I, you know, our good friend, Caroline Adams Miller, whenever she's trying to help me and she's a great life coach, whenever she's trying to help me, she's like, Kelly, you need more play in your life. And I totally agree that I need to play. That's interesting because I, I'm sure anybody you asked about me would, would not, would the play word wouldn't come into a description of Maria at all. <laughs> so yeah. that's, you're right. That's a great, great takeaway. And that's probably why you know he's so successful, has so much longevity is because it's all fun. It's all fun. That's a great yes. point, Kelly. Yeah. He, and you know, when, and I, I timeline on this. So people are thinking, how did Kelly get a text last night? I thought they just interviewed Jack. So we're doing the takeaways the day after we interviewed Jack live and in person, which is how we got the text. But yeah, and being in person with him, he's just got this impish, youthful aura to him. And I think it's because he just, he just plays and he loves life. He loves coaching. He loves playing tennis. He loves what he does. He loves his family. Um, which Maria, I think, might lead into your takeaway. Yeah, that you said. yeah. He he loves people, <laughs> and that's I think that is really the true key to his, his success. As I was listening to him, he you know first of all he writes that note every single day. Secondly, he remembers everybody's name and how they impacted his life, and you know he gives credit out you know totally freely. He he just he you know he told the story of you know not being able to have uh, a meal in a restaurant in in Athens because you know there yes <laughs> because people would be coming in you know every, he knows everyone he he not only knows everyone he remembers them and uh, he he likes people. Yes. And you get that feeling when you're in a conversation with him. I'd never met him. And yet I felt like by the end of the conversation that we were friends. So I think, I think that's huge. And I, and I think, you know, some people might say, well, that's just natural. And I would disagree with that. I think that's something that he probably is naturally gifted and does. And he did say he had good genetics in terms of, of liking people and remembering people and being social. But I think it's also something that we can be very intentional about is remembering people's names and, and seeing what we like in them and remembering them. And, uh, you know, that's going to make us more successful in everything we do. Absolutely. Well, that's the old Dale Carnegie, you know, that's nothing, right. that's nothing right. sweeter to a person than their own name. And Jack, Jack is just a master at that. And he, he even has nicknames for most people, which I think is really even, it takes it to another level. You know, you yeah, feel it like, does. like you're a special 
person to him. So I love yeah. it that he calls me Kel. You yeah, know. I thought that was funny too. I've never heard anyone call you Kel. <laughs> oh, he Jack's always called me Kel, and I love it. I've had a couple people call me that, but I love it. It's my own little. It's my own little Jackism. So that's a great one, Maria. I also in kind of along the same lines as just his his kindness, and you know, our kind of theme of the show is nice guys finish first. Is how does a when I asked him how does a really nice person like you push your athletes and kind of you have to be mean and my one I think this is probably my favorite thing out of the whole conversation is it's not what you say it's how you say it and that Mm -hmm. is something that just across the board whether you're an athlete or not relationships and Mark and I we say that saying I would say once a week you know when you're when you know we can have a tendency, Mark and I are just very focused to snap at each other. Sure. And, and, and you know, you were supposed As to do this. As all married couples do, yeah. yeah. You were supposed to do that, or why didn't you do this? And and we say to each other when, when the other person irritates us is, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. And I mm-hmm. totally love that. So that was a, that was a big takeaway for me. Yeah, yeah that's, that's so true. Uh, I, I, yeah, and it's so easy in our in our day to day relationships to to not be not be careful about how we say things. That's great. Okay, well, I've got a couple more takeaways that I want to. One, you know, we Kelly, you and I, we we disagree on probably, but I loved what he said about when we were talking about the the you know the ask what what makes a champion, and one of the things he said is the will to win or fear of failure, which I have often succeeded motivated by the fear of failure. And I have felt some, some sense of shame about that. And I think, you know, people are put together differently. And and when he said that, I felt like, ah, what a relief. Oh, it's okay. It doesn't matter if, you know, when I'm standing at the starting line or if I'm, whatever I'm doing, something big and scary in my life if, if I'm afraid to fail and that motivates me to do everything I have to do to succeed, then that's okay. I mean, the, they, you know, the motiv- the psychologists say that the, the rewards of success are a better motivator than the fear of failure. And I say, pua on that. <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I, think that, I think the fear of failure works just fine for me. Thank you very much. And I'm not going to feel ashamed of that anymore <laughs> because I know it helps me get to the, to the finish line. It's not, I, you know, we had a little conversation about this before. I don't, it's not that I disagree with you. I just, I, I think that's innate in someone, but I love it that you can take it. Like I, I always try to think of things that we can take away that, people can go out and use. And I feel like either one is motivated by the will to win or they are motivated by the fear of failure. And that's not, it's like my eyes are, are green or they're brown or they're blue. Right. And so they're, you know, they, you can't really change that. Either you're motivated right. by the will to win or you're motivated, they, woo, motivated by the fear of failure. So I think people who are motivated by the fear of failure, or at least I have felt some embarrassment about that. Like, you know, but I, what I guess the, my takeaway on that is if you're a person who's motivated by the fear of failure, great, grab it, squeeze it, squeeze yes. everything you can out of it, get, get, let it get you to the finish line. And then my, my final thing on Jack was that, you know, he, he is himself a champion. He's a champion athlete. He's, he's a champion in his life. And I think that motivates 
his swimmers and the people that he interacts with, you know, he, he likes everybody and he also is somebody to admire because he's succeeded in so many aspects of his life. And I think that, I think that, you know, I'm not sure what the takeaway on that is, but, but I guess maybe the takeaway on that is, you know, if you've succeeded in something, that's good. That'll help motivate other people around you to, to, to succeed themselves. Definitely. I, I think that is a huge takeaway that we're all role modeling what we're right, you know, that we're out there in the world and how we're living our lives is, is inspiring and motivating and educating other people. So uh-huh. I, I love uh-huh. that one. I love yeah. that. And my last one is consistency. It was another trait of champions that he said, champions know how to come into a practice every day and get something out of it. And, hmm. and we can apply that to our everyday lives if we're not athletes or we're just, you know, maybe not swimming at this point, but try to get something like, I love the, the journaling process of, uh, I think Mark Bernardino said it in his interview at the end of the day, he, he just, he just thinks of one thing that he did well in that day. And I That's love that. Right. Just the single thing that you did well. And that to me means you're getting something out of every day. So I love that consistency. So Maria, what are you going to, what are you going to action item out of this? Okay. Well, I'm saying this in a time when I'm, I'm out of my home and, and I'm be traveling for the next week or two, but what I would really like to do when I get back is start a daily habit, at least on work days of writing a little note to someone, uh, who has impacted me. Uh, when you write things down, you remember them, at least I do. And so that will help me to remember all the ways that the people in my life have, have helped me and made me the person I am. So that's, that's one takeaway. And the other is the one I've already kind of said, which is like, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to embrace my, my motivation of the, of the fear of failure and just, just say, yep, that's who I am. And I like that. And I'm, you know, if I feel afraid to, to, uh, to, f- to fail, then that's, that's a great motivator. So I'm just going to embrace it and not, not feel a little bit ashamed of it anymore. Those are my two takeaways. Cool. I think uh, I'm going to try to, to be more playful in life. I can be very serious, <laughs> and very, uh, very <laughs> yeah. motivated and, and have my little, to-do list. And, and then, you know, what happens to me when I'm, I'm pounding through my to-do list is I'm not, I may not say things nicely to Mark. So, right. <laughs> so that will automatically lead to that's said. Uh, so that'll automatically lead to, um, it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. So right. just, just being more cognizant, more mindful that I'm having fun. But how will you play Kelly? And what, what, what kinds of things do uh, you, you know, I, it's think crazy. I have to do more of? I, I love, this is crazy. I am in a ping pong phase and I, (laughs) that's funny. That's play for sure. I love to play ping pong and I just, uh, so does your brother. (laughs) Yeah. There's a, we don't have our own table, but there's a table in the rec center near us. We can, we can go play a lot and I just want to make time to do some fun things like that. Will you play with Mark? Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're really well matched. So, uh, huh. Uh-huh. That's great, Kelly. Yeah. So anyway, terrific, terrific interview and a terrific uh, takeaways. Oh yeah. I, I just, it was such a pleasure to spend that time with Jack and get to go dive a little deeper on him. So wonderful, Maria, then we are another wrap and uh, thank you so much, Maria, for being, you know, as I say on this journey. Oh, I, I love it, Kelly. I'm learning so much from these champions we're talking to and from you and, and from the different ways that we hear what they say. It's just been fascinating. 
And I love you. I love you too, Maria. Talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. This week's quote of the week comes to us from Maya Angelou. I've learned that people will forget what you said. People will forget what you did. But people will never forget how you made them feel. We are so grateful that you spent this time with us today, and we hope that you heard something that inspired, motivated, and educated you. Signing off for myself and my champion co-host, Maria Parker, we hope you'll join us again soon, and we know you can be a champion. Thank you for listening, and please see below for a copy of the show notes for any links or important information that we've referenced here. You've been listening to the Champions Mojo podcast designed to make you feel inspired, motivated, and educated. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. Also visit championsmojo.com to learn more.